So here's the question, in the print and packaging supply chain, how do we deliver new ideas and innovative practices to continually improve your profit, your brand, and your quality? Welcome to the Gamut Podcast, and I am your host, Jeff Collins, Director of Print Technologies for ID Alliance. We are a nonprofit global think tank serving the graphic communications industry with 12 offices strategically located around the world to better support our membership. You can support the Gamut Podcast and content like this by becoming a member at ID Alliance by going to www.idalliance.org. I would also like to thank Konica Minolta for sponsoring this podcast. They are a world leader in industrial and commercial printing and packaging solutions. With a comprehensive portfolio of production print offerings, Konica Minolta delivers the latest innovations in printing, applications, and expertise. On today's Gamut Podcast, we have the pleasure of speaking with David Hunter of Pilot Marketing. David has 30-plus years' experience marketing graphically oriented computer solutions. He has extensive knowledge working with accounts on both the creative and production side of manufacturing color and is one of five G7 expert trainers in the world. He has extensive knowledge working in large and grand format environments, sheet fed, web, flexo, screen printing, and a large variety of digital presses related to spot process and extended gamut solutions. So we're really happy to have Dave on today to talk about Delta E and a myth or maybe not a myth of the term a Delta E of two or below. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for joining us on the Gamut Podcast. How are you today? It's going great. How are you doing? Hey, Dave, I'm doing great. And thanks again for joining us on the Gamut. And today we wanted to get your take and help clarify a common cliche or expression for mathematically evaluating a color match or color accuracy. And that is the term Delta E of two or below. And we're often asked by printers, how to handle this common cliche that we hear from laypersons in color management and uh, a statement, for example, from sales or marketing reps that claim their equipment can print under a Delta two without further clarification or details. As well, we hear many people say the human eye cannot distinguish a color difference of Delta or two or below. And there's a variety of different formulas for um, calculating Delta like Delta E2000, Delta E76, and, curr- and currently Delta E2000 is pretty much the default standard for graphic arts. So we may even come across a print buyer that will demand the print run must be under a Delta E of two or below. And again, without further clarification or specification. And you've done quite a bit of study and improvement on demystifying the use of this complex metric and analysis for quantifying color differences and color accuracy. So can you help our listeners today understand uh, the cliche Delta E2 and how to use this metric and communicate it properly or put it into the proper perspective. Let's start with the statement of people typically can't see a 2 Delta E. So if you're 2 Delta E, then you're definitely close enough. And as you mentioned, whenever someone says 2 delta E, the first question that should come up is what formula 
are you using to determine this level of delta E? Because there's dozens of delta E formulas. And as you stated, uh, delta E 2000 is the one that our industry is using as the reference condition for delta E today. And what a delta E is, is it's a delta or a difference between two colors. So typically we reference delta E in the in the context of brand color reproduction. So if I want to have a uh, a 3M red I can define definitively what 3M red is supposed to be and then I can um determine that when I reproduce this color on whatever printing device I'm using, I want to make sure that I'm within two delta E of what 3M says their red should be. And so delta E is a a good metric to help quantify the color difference. And the bigger the number, the bigger the difference. Now, getting back to how we started this conversation is that can you see a two delta E The answer is most people can definitively see a two delta E of difference. Now, being able to see the difference and being able to accept the difference are two completely different points. So I can definitely see a two delta E and I would definitely accept a two delta E has to be treated as independent um, assessments. So we did a a number of psychometric tests with people and we've published tag papers related to this. And we found that if you show 95% of the people in the industry, a color match, which is within a two Delta E, they will say it's acceptable. Yes, they see a difference, but yes, it's acceptable. Now, when we show them a five Delta E, now it's almost 50-50, meaning 50% of the people will say uh, they would accept it and 50% percent of the people say they would not accept it as a color match. All of them can see the difference, but 50% would accept it as a uh, an allowable variation from the reference. So this is a, a, a key point in and um, let me come back to the vision part for a minute. People will say that humans can't see a one delta E, and that's also false. Um, Being able to visually see differences in color is actually a learned trait, meaning the more you do it, the better you get at it. And anyone who's ever taken the Munsell Hue 100 test uh, knows this, that the more you look at, and, and by the way, this Munsell 100 Hue test is a uh, a test with um, 100 chips of, of uh, values that go across 
the hue angle of all the hues that our eyes can see. So the, the Roy G. Biv, the red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and many of these chips are one or and sometimes less than one delta E of difference. And yet we use this to scientifically test how good a person's color acuity is or how well they can see color differences. And so we know this to be fact. We've proven it that you can that certain people can definitely see a one delta E of difference. Now. That's different than being willing to accept a one or two delta E a difference. So we have other exercises that we call color tolerance exercises that help us determine for a customer at what level of a color difference in terms of delta E does it no longer become acceptable. And to get a little deeper on this point, Delta E through the nature of the LED color space isn't necessarily linear in all directions. Meaning if we talk about color difference, we can talk about the color difference being in the lightness, in the hue, or in the saturation. And the Delta E formula, which has been updated through the years, has has been built to try to achieve a uniform appearance, whether the difference is in the lightness, the hue, or the saturation. And you're talking about Delta E2000, correct? And I'm talking right now specifically about Delta E2000, although there's there's been a number of iterations to get to Delta E2000. And this is the best one that the industry has standardized on to date, but it's still not perfect. Correct. Meaning, There's been a meaning, lot of chatter about the imperfections, one in uh, CIE Lab, and then, yes. of course, the not-so-perfect Delta E formulas. But That's right. But would you say that Delta E 2000, even with its slight imperfections, is a step above what we were using prior to Delta E 2000? Well, yeah, no matter what you were using before Delta E2000, Delta E2000 is better. <laughs> if you were using, let's say, Delta E76 or what's also known as Delta ELAB, if you were using that before Delta E2000, then Delta E2000 is significantly better. And why is that? Um, it's because in Delta E LAB or, or the 76 formula, it treats the difference between saturation, lightness, and hue equally, which means if you have a 75% yellow compared to 100% yellow, if you can imagine this on a, on a printed sheet, our eyes will not see a whole lot of difference between a 75% yellow and 100% yellow. But in Delta E76, we'll say that number was a four. And if you compare a 75% cyan with 100% cyan, that number is also could be a four. And yet your eye will see a much bigger difference between a 75% cyan than a 100% cyan than you will on the yellow. So Understood. the Delta E76 does not take into consideration the fact that uh, 
saturate the eye is very forgiving in a saturation change, but it's very unforgiving in a hue or a lightness change. And Delta E76 doesn't compensate for that, whereas Delta E2000 does. Okay. So in terms of Delta E2000 not being perfect still, uh, there are software tools that allow you to set up your tolerance, even visually set up your tolerance, so that if I want 3M red, but I don't want to say just a straight Delta E2000 of two difference, I could say uh, I can actually see what a Delta E2 in all dimensions Delta L, Delta A, Delta B, and a combination of all the above. So I can see if I, if I say I want a tolerance of two, I can visually see the worst case scenario of what a Delta E of two means for my 3M red. And, and in this way, if your expectations are are not met because let's say the Delta L and the Delta A of this two Delta E is too much of a difference, then with smart software, you can set a secondary tolerance setting in there, like to limit the amount of Delta L or limit the amount of Delta H, the hue, that the color can be allowed to move. So you're actually putting two tolerances on top of one another. You've got delta E as the main tolerance, and then you've got a supplemental tolerance of hue to help keep that color within the expectations of the brand company that's setting that color up. Great. So you will set the expectation correctly using the processes you just mentioned. You, know, you have your Munsell test, and then you have... I believe you also had another uh, test that you mentioned to gauge the uh, uh, brand owner or the print buyer or even the printer uh, to gauge what their uh, acceptance would be. And even though we have a standard using Delta E2000, if that standard's not perfect, you're talking about customizing and coming up with a, uh, a custom set of tolerances per user or per buyer or per printer. Is that correct? Or per brand in this? It could, it can be per color. So all the above. And how, so everything you said, I mean, to properly assess and to, to hone that in for a brand owner, uh, how long do you, you usually take uh, discussing these things that you just mentioned with them and educating them and, and, you know, coming up with a final, uh, expectation for that particular product, like the 3M Red? Well, if, it, if we're dealing with just one color, it's it's a matter of uh, minutes in terms of discussion. And when you have software that can visualize these differences, as I've, I've mentioned, then um, it's very easy to get the key brand people in the room to help define what is the level of expectations that you're willing to let your brand color uh, change. And so when you're dealing with, let's say, 18 colors within a, a brand palette, well, then we've just increased the amount of time we, we need to spend because some colors – might be 
uh, of primary importance where we want real tight tolerances on them. Other colors are more secondary importance. So we're, we allow a larger tolerance of variation for those colors because they're not as important. And so this is a, a way to um, help a brand company really prioritize what's important to make sure their brand colors are right. And your your question was, how long does this take? It's dependent on how many colors and it's dependent on how educated the brand person is. If the brand person is quite knowledgeable about color, then um, this can be done extremely quickly. If they're not very educated, then obviously we have some education to do and, and some pre-tests such as not only the Munsell Hue 100 test to see how well that brand person or brand people can discern color, but also check them for colorblindness. We can't forget that. Um, I carry a colorblind test with almost uh, everywhere I go. And when we get into these types of discussions, it becomes very important to to know if they're colorblind or not. What percentage of the brands that you've worked with in your career are knowledgeable and what percentages require uh, some of this, you know, uh, one on one education? Boy, I would say um, if, if we look at kind of a maturity index and, and one of the tricky things here is that our, our knowledge and our expertise related to color improves every day. I mean, I feel like I know so much more about color today than I did even 30 days ago, never mind a year ago. And and. I still don't know close to a quarter or a tenth of what I think I'll know five years from now. So it's a moving target is what I'm saying. This this color expertise and this ability to master color is, is definitely a moving target and everyone's getting better at it. And so trying to say, okay, where are you? Um, I would say the majority of brand people are in a in a more, shall we say, immature state where they are just learning about what Delta E means and what the difference is between uh, acceptability versus actual visual acuity of the color. So sorry for the long answer, That's okay. but um, yeah, I would say the majority of people related to color and brands are, are on the, on the more immature level, but the ones that care are taking the time to educate themselves. And, and, and you've got to love education because like I said, this, this color, this ability to um, control color is a rapidly uh, expanding field related to knowledge. And it's one that doesn't stand still. So it's not like you can, you can, uh, you know, go to a class and, or a consultant and 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 say, oh, I'm good for five years because that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> Things are going to change. We talked before about this, Wax. We've had many conversations about this, and that is the factors that are at play when we take a simple measurement 
to determine what the delta E or the color match is or how close this is compared to what I need. And when we start to get down into those low numbers, delta E a two, delta E a one, and maybe I have a instrument that has never been calibrated for the last, oh, it hasn't been calibrated since I've purchased it. Then, of course, I have paper and then process. But let's just take a look at some of the building blocks that affect the you know, spot-on measurement between one color and the color that we're supposed to match. So let's, let's go there. And, and let's talk – our talk so far has been primarily around uh, spot color with, with Delta E. But um, w- one, of the, one of the key breakthroughs that I feel that the industry has experienced recently, and it's still very much in its infant infancy, but the, the concept of being able to specify process color using a single number – much like we use delta E, and and we use this uh, metric called the cumulative relative frequency at the 95th percentile of delta E. And as 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 uh, complex as that Mace. description was, we've shortened it to make it. We've we've nicknamed it your E factor, which is your expectation factor. And the expectation factor works for process color based on this cumulative relative frequency at the 95th percentile. So now using a single number, we can assess how close your spot color is to what it should be and how close your process color print is to what it should be, which is really amazing because I think everyone in your audience has seen two proofs that both pass G7 color space compliance, and yet visually they look very different from one another. And the natural question is, well, which one is more right? And meaning which one's more like, if, if we're aiming for grackle, which one's more like grackle? And the E factor will tell you that, meaning the one with the lowest E factor is the one that's closest to grackle. Understood. And that's, again, based off a metric of the 95 percentile of the delta E of, let's say, 1,617 patches and a typical characterization target like a TC-1617 or an IT-84, correct? Exactly. Yes. And and we find that excuse me for the, for the E factor to work, you need at least 65 different patches. So you can't aspe- you can't assess process color on a s- solid sign magenta yellow and black with E factor. There's not enough data there. So you do need at least 60 to 70 points which are included in the proofing control strip and the three color proofing control strip and and most good color bars have at least that many patches so that we can accurately assess how good the match is to our given reference. And so for process, we can we can do this with a color bar like the Idea Alliance control strip. For spot, we can do it with a single color. So the tolerance for 
G7 color space for a press run and then uh, G7 color space pass for a proof or a little bit different. Can you talk to us about that? Uh, those are what we're using as tolerance levels for G7 master qualification. However, if I have the proof tolerance passing and then the press tolerance passing for uh, Grackle uh, 2013 color space, uh, does that necessarily mean that I'll have a great match if the 95 percentiles are correct? For G7 color space conformance for proofing, the CRF at the 95th percentile has to be a three. Mm-hmm. For for the press has to be a five. And that's a big difference. That is a big difference. And 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 let's talk about how. So think of think of grackle at the bullseye. So think of a dart target and the middle of the target is a bullseye, and that's grackle. And if I have to have my proof within three of grackle, my proof can be three rings off into the 12 o'clock position of the bullseye. So it's straight north or above the bullseye. Now, my press needs to be within a five. So if my press is a five to grackle, it could be in the six o'clock position. Worst case scenario, at which point I would have an eight E factor or CRF 95th percentile difference between my proof and my press, and yet both are passing G7 color space conformance. And to go back to that proof example that I gave you earlier, theoretically, the proof could also be three off in the six o'clock position, and I have a six E factor or delta E 95th percentile difference between my two proofs, which if you understand what a six delta E looks like in a spot color, it's that same relative difference in the process color. So we're talking about a pretty large difference where roughly over 50% of the people out there assessing color would say it's an unacceptable difference. So what do we do? I mean, if that is you know, the reality, okay, and we know that um, – you know, daily production. Now, we, we can't bring an offset press down every day to tune uh, the, you know, tune the condition to get that 95 percentile closer to that proof match or to get them to come together where they both have a an expectation factor of three. OK, or below. Yep. Right. Yep. It's just not economical. All right. What what? What does that conversation look like? Do we say this is the best that it's going to get? And do you have a good similar visual appearance? Nothing's ever going to match perfectly. Or, I mean, what's the reality there to correct that? If the buyer says, I need a perfect match, it needs to be under a uh, E factor of uh, three, because that's giving me the perfect visual match uh, that I that I accept. But we know that in an offset press room or, you know, flexo or gravure, some processes are not capable of doing that on a daily basis. And, so- and that's the key. You you just hit on the, I think the most important thing about this whole um, podcast, if you're listening right now, key thing is what is normal for your condition? And this is why I think printers lose money. 
And and over 50% of the printers are working off of a less than 2% margin of sales in North America. And and this is one of the reasons why about, I think they are. You're talking is about because, I'm sorry, Dave. You, I just want to clarify. We're talking about uh, a, 50% of the printers they have uh, in the majority of their runs built in uh, 2% profit margin, correct? They have no correct. room for error. Correct. And so we're the point is we're running on razor thin margins. And so we need to be productive. We need to have minimum waste and maximum throughput. And when someone is requiring to be a very low E factor delta E of tolerance, um, it, it costs you more money to manufacture. It costs you more money to, to produce. And this becomes a, a real challenge because most companies don't even know what their presses are capable of today, meaning what is normal. When I go into a press room, are they still using a handheld spectrophotometer to measure the color bar? If they are, I pretty much know that press is probably a, a six or seven delta E for process, best case, mm-hmm. best case. If they have an automated scanner with a trained operator, they might be down in a, a, a five range, best case. If they have an automated scanner with SIP presets and closed loop, and they're looking at all their data real time and making adjustments, they might be down in the, the four to three range. You don't get this by having an operator that's been doing it for 30 years with a handheld device. You need technology because there are so many variables on a typical offset press that affect your color reproduction. And that's just the press itself. We haven't gotten into the variation of the instrumentation, the variation of the substrate, the variation of the lighting that you're looking at your color under, all of these things, all of these variables that I, I threw in here stack on top of one another to to help make your tolerance even larger. They so don't cancel the, each other out. They right, right. So, so by the time I'm actually measuring that printed sheet, I could also I could also already be a delta a two or a three. Easy. You could be a three before you even measure. Correct. Without a doubt. So this is, you know, kind of brings us back to the original topic, <laughs> Delta two. I could have instrumentation. I could have process uh, related uh, variables that before I even get on press to uh, do a press OK or match a proof, I'm already out uh, of the range of that customer's expectation factor. Absolutely. In fact, I I have a customer that just came to me. Get this, Jeff. This this printer, they they were doing a job for a brand company with 18 spot colors. And the brand company requires these colors to be within a 2 delta E of the official brand color. This printer actually used our software to get all 18 colors within two delta E 
on an offset press. Okay? That's amazing. Using, yeah, not that's using great. spot colors, but using yeah. process simulations of the 18 spot colors. So you're talking They were about- able to get a press sheet mm-hmm. to within two delta E of the customer's LAB references for these colors. So these, and they, Dave, I just want to uh, hit pause yeah. here because uh, I, I kind of got lost a little bit. So you met not spot colors. You're, you're talking about process CMYK simulation of those spot colors, the actual spot color, not the CMYK bridge from Pantone, the actual solid spot color. You were able to achieve that across 18 different requirements or 18 different colors with process. Correct. So, so 18 colors, you're very seldom these days going to print 18 spot colors at once. So, so they actually, on the offset press, uh, using our software, figured out the CMYK builds for the 18 spot colors, plated it, got it on press, got the press so that those 18 process builds simulating the 18 spot colors were all within two delta e of the brand company's requirements which is amazing and you know what happened jeff they submitted it to the brand company and the brand company came back and they said this is unacceptable because some of the colors were like 2.6 and 3.2 delta e different from what the brand company's LAB value was with and and here's where the real killer is is that the brand company didn't specify or publish what their instrument was and so just due to normal instrument differences even within the same make and model of an instrument you're going to get that much variation and again just as most printers don't know what their press is or is not capable of, most printers don't understand the variation between their physical measurement devices. So if you have an I1 and an exact, those two measurement devices do not measure the same. And and how different are they? They can easily be uh, a two delta e difference between one another on on any one color or across a hundred colors they could have a a 95th percentile delta e difference of a two so this again gets in the uh in the way of our of our supply standards (laughs) it gets in the way of producing the 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 work and uh, meeting the uh, brand's expectation exactly Exactly. I had a I had a printer who um, wanted to do some work for a uh, a famous vacuum cleaner company whose tolerance was published at a two. And yet the press that they were looking at running it on just the same color on the same page. So not through a thousand sheet press run or 10,000 sheet sheet uniformity. I'm talking about exactly within sheet uniformity was averaging at a four Delta E and they were wanting to go after this business 
with this vacuum cleaner company. And, and I had to talk to management. I had to talk them out of it saying, guys, you can't handle this business because your press is not even precise enough within one page, never mind a thousand or a 10,000 sheet press run. It's not stable enough within one page to meet their expectations, which means you're going to either have to do this job over multiple times or cut your price so much that you will have lost money on this job. There are some customers that you don't want because your press is not capable of of performing to that level of of tolerance. And um, it's really hard for, for management to understand this, but when we have the, the actual physical numbers in front of them and they can see what's happening, there's a reason why you, you there's a certain degree of maintenance that has to be done on any type of printing device. That um, if you don't maintain the device properly, what's going to be sacrificed is the delta E of precision and the delta E of accuracy uh, and how good of quality that device is capable of being uh, held to. If, if you have data related to how your manufacturing devices, i.e. your printers, if you have data on how your printers are manufacturing color, your decision-making can be greatly improved on every level in terms of why is the customer not happy, uh, what's your make-ready time versus production time, not only by press but by operator. And I could just keep going. But all these highlights that I just hit on will – affect your profitability so much that it, 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 it'll just, you'll see a whole new world. And, and when I ask printers who their best press operator is, they all have an idea of who they think is the best operator. But after a week of collecting data for each of their presses on each of their operators, it's amazing the true information that comes out of a system to know not only what press is most profitable, but what operator is most profitable. And so the the opportunity is that you learn how to motivate your top performers, how to um, train performers that aren't on the top, and improve the overall operation of, of, of your company from data. And, so, and printers don't – they're not in this concept of collecting data, although more and more they are because they're, they're going to an IT-type system to collect data and maybe a CRM system to collect data. But they haven't, they haven't said, how do I collect data from my manufacturing devices? Every – financial stakeholder in a printer wants more faster but there's got to be a quality limit more faster at a 4e factor 
more faster at a 6E factor, more faster at an 8E factor. Because if you don't have a quality component as part of your speed of production, then you could have the fastest system in the world that creates the worst color in the world that no one's ever going to want. Excellent, Dave. That's fantastic. And I really appreciate you hanging out with us today on the Gamut Podcast and talking about Delta E and the expectation factor and expectation setting. And if you need more information on those topics, please go to Dave's website. It's actually it's Chroma Checker's website. It's www.chromachecker.com. That's www.chromachecker.com. Go check it out. Take care, Dave. You too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Gamut Podcast. If you have ideas, suggestions, or would like to join us or even sponsor future podcasts, simply email me at jcollins at idealliance.org. That's J-C-O-L-L-I-N-S at idealliance.org. Take care and have a productive day.